Welcome to the EdTech Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Bringing AR and VR into the classroom is rapidly evolving from the shiny toy to meaningful learning. Teachers around the world are showing use cases of improved learning when students use virtual reality. It gets them out of their seats and engaged with their education. Even more exciting is when students and teachers can find a sense of ownership in their VR content. Today, we have Casper Rosengreen Nielsen, who's a product manager for WiseFloor and the principal software architect at the Alexandra Institute, on to talk to us a little bit about empowering teachers and students to take command of their AR and VR experience in the classroom. Casper, how are you doing today? I'm fine, thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. You know, we had a chance to speak at ISTE, and I really enjoyed the product you had there. You know, I, I found myself wanting to get out on the mat and play a bit with WiseFloor. And this is actually the first year that you're bringing WiseFloor to the U.S., is that right? Yes, it's the first year. We were also at the FETC show in Florida in January. So it's it's completely new to uh, the U.S. market. But we've been at it for many years. Uh, I started with these interactive floors back in, back in 2003. So it's a long history going from research to, to a product that we're now bringing it, uh, to the U.S., and how has that reception been like so far since you've been in the United States? It's been uh, really positive. People uh, are really excited about the opportunity to bring movement uh, into the classroom in uh, an interactive way. And especially the customizability of the apps is uh, very popular that you can bring in your own content very easily. That's uh, a big selling point. And of course, also the, the movement that you can bring into uh, to physical education. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I know I was always most engaged in the classroom when I was up and active instead of just sitting behind the desk. I, I think that's something people realize, and, and it's not like a new concept per se, but with emerging technologies, people are finding new ways to achieve that movement and that engagement. So what, what do you feel uh, is so important about getting students moving and engaged in a playful way uh, with their learning. What about that do you think really brings whatever the education is to the next level? It's about uh, motivation, uh, motivating the children here uh, because movement and of course also the social uh, interaction around this floor uh, really motivates the children. That's what we see also uh, in the previous research project that, that the children will be engaged in another way. Um, they will have a lot of uh, problem solving and all the social interaction discussion uh, at the same time that they're moving. Uh, we've had this focus in Denmark for many years now that the kids should also get moving th throughout the day, uh, that they shouldn't be uh, sitting still at a, at a table. Some kids will learn uh, well sitting still with their nose in a book or a computer, uh, but the, uh, other children has, has different needs. So there are these different uh, learning styles. Uh, and this is a way to, to bring in the the kinesthetic learning style into the classroom as well. So there are some kids that uh, that benefit from this uh, type of uh, learning. Yeah, definitely. I I think it's important to get students up and active for sure. And the the collaboration and the teamwork is something really interesting that you mentioned. Um, do you think that these emerging technologies like AR and VR are encouraging more of collaboration and teamwork within the classroom? Uh, yes. Yes, some are at least. Uh, we are starting to see AR also getting more social that you can uh, connect connect your devices uh, directly and you can have a shared experience and, and and it's kind of the same that we have here on the on the floor that that is very easy to the way we have designed the games are 
are that they will become uh, very collaborative, that we kind of build it into the gameplay, um, that the children depend on each other to, to solve the exercises. And that also goes back to the original research project that we wanted to, to provoke people into, to interact so they don't sit with their own screen and it's a singular display. We want the, want it to be social. That's exciting, bridging the gap between technology and human interaction. You know, I, I think technology a lot is, like you said, described or implemented in a very one-to-one way. One screen, one student, and they're getting some sort of, they're playing with an app or something, but it's not very interactive. It's not like you are engaging with the people around you. It's it's more of just uh, an exciting extra thing tacked onto the classroom. And I think that's been a challenge recently for teachers and school districts and states and countries in general. Everyone is trying to find out how do I best implement technology in the classroom to where it isn't just a shiny toy, it's actually integrated and it's part of the learning and students don't even feel like the technology is something extra. It's actually part of the working, the achieving process. We see that it happens very naturally, this collaboration. It just uh, kind of happens when we have one of the quiz games running on the wise floor. It just uh, always happens, this discussion uh, between the children. So it's kind of like uh, just second nature, just... It happens automatically. So that's kind of uh, affirming to see that uh, that it just invites that kind of uh, collaboration. They're kind of like on a playground where you're motivated to help each other uh, solve these uh, exercises and collaborate. Uh, that's just feels natural for the children here. Yeah, so playing off of that whole technology talk we just had, I, I think that there are some issues with integrating technology into the classroom. I think that's clear. What have you noticed, you know, since you've been working at the Alexandra Institute and working on Wise Floor, what have been some of the biggest challenges in getting these technologies into the classroom and getting teachers able to use them? It's always a big challenge to bring in something completely new because because you're used to to what you have in, in your practice. There are usually these uh, front runners at the school that will uh, say, oh, we want this. This is uh, perfect. This is just what, what we've been looking for. And they might be really motivated to getting it into the classroom. But there's a problem if they leave the school, then there's, then there's no one to take over because it's a mix of uh, people, some, some who are a bit conservative and some who are front runners. And then it can be a challenge to get this type of product into it. So, so it's very important to, to get the entire school engaged into creating content. So that's why we also insist that schools also get a, get a training course at the beginning here so they get started because it's not very hard to actually build your own content in WiseFloor. Uh, so, so it's very important that they get the login, they get in, and then, uh, then they can start creating because, because if it's only one or two people, then it's a big problem. And then it might die if they changed uh, jobs or something like that. So getting into a classroom is extremely important here. How do you make sure the technology, even though you empower the customization, which I think is very important, the fact that teachers can create their own content and feel like they're mapping it specifically for their classroom? Because every classroom is different. Every classroom wants a little something unique. How do you still make that customization easy to access, uh, easy to understand? How do you make sure that teachers, you know, upon first glance, can feel fluent in that customization? Well, what we have done is that we've uh, built a community where you can easily share share the content. Uh, so you can go on different levels. So, so to begin with, you can just uh, go to the community, find a game you like, you can copy it, and you can uh, build upon it just to have a good starting point. So you don't need to build something from scratch. You might find a really good quiz 
you want to see how was that done and then you can start copying it and diving into uh, the features oh okay that's how it works so it's very different what how the customers approach it some will mainly use what is in the community so they are so they can get up and running and then they will later on start building their own and some are just building their own from the beginning because that's the big selling point for them so it's a matter if they they just want some kind of thing to to have movement in the classroom or if they uh, want to customize things so that's a way to to make it a bit easier of course the tools are also very easy to uh, to use it's uh, pretty simple just form based you can put in uh, content pictures and sounds and that sort of thing but we have to yeah, to have the community as a good starting point, so it's a bit easier for them to get uh, started. Yeah, and you also said that there's customization for the students themselves, that they get to create their own content. Why do you feel that's important to give students that ownership over their learning material? We see that the children uh, learn a lot by, by creating these games. Uh, whether it's a wise floor quiz or a Kahoot quiz or whatever it is, uh, they get to think in a different way when they need to formulate the questions. We've had a lot of children uh, creating questions for younger children, for example. The sixth graders creating uh, games for the third graders or school children creating games for kindergarten children. And they benefit a lot from formulating uh, this um, it could also be that they create a game from a book that they have read. They can create a quiz and they can have their friends play it. And they get, and they get this uh, pride of uh, creation uh, doing this. So I think that's, uh, that's very important that they take ownership of, uh, of their own learning and, and get creative too. Definitely. So now I want to pull back a little bit and look at the technology in general, just AR and VR and the way that it's been integrated into the ed tech space. So I, I think for a while, AR and VR content wasn't aimed for the classroom. And it's really starting to see uh, sort of a, 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 not a resurgence, but a, a surgence. I don't know if that's a word, but it's, uh, you know, just a, its initial push into the classroom. And it's finally being integrated in in actually productive ways, not just, hey, we're going to put on the goggles today and play around on VR. Teachers and, and, and uh, educators are finding ways to um, make it engaging and meaningful content in the classroom. How have you seen that shift? Uh, you know, since you've been working on AR and VR for quite a while, uh, how have you seen that shift toward the classroom? The technologies AR and VR have been out there for, for a really long time. I remember going to the university 15 years ago, we were also talking about uh, AR and, and VR, but technology has just advanced uh, so fast in the last couple of years. And, uh, and the big players are really starting to, to make uh, things accessible. We have so much processing power now that we can do some uh, really, really cool uh, things. And of course, that also trickles down into uh, the, to the educational uh, segment. So there's a lot of uh, options to create some really um, engaging uh, experiences. I've mainly been working with, with the AR uh, side of things, um, trying that out. And there's been a huge uh, improvement with both uh, HoloLens and uh, AR Kit and, a and AR Core from uh, Apple and Google, uh, respectively. And things are starting to, to run really well, even on uh, small devices. You don't need a big computer or, or anything uh, later. Things will appear as they're in the room. So I'm thinking there's a lot of uh, opportunities for science and, and that sort of thing to uh, to actually explore molecules or the human body uh, go into the heart or, or whatever. Um, there are some uh, some big opportunities with, with AR because it's starting to, to feel so natural. And maybe, who knows, at some point, uh, 
you'll even be able to bring on uh, glasses. Uh, right now, the glasses are, are pretty big. We did some experiments with the HoloLens, uh, which is quite heavy and very, very big. But when, when it starts to uh, get lighter, uh, there will be uh, some big opportunities there, I think, to, to really create some immersive, the real mix of uh, the environment and the, the digital uh, content. I see there's a lot of uh, opportunity there. Something you mentioned that really stood out to me is that it's starting to work very well on smaller devices, on more personal devices. And I think that's really important for the education space, especially in more rural areas or underfunded school districts, so that students can still get access to this kind of emerging technology, that it's not behind a gigantic paywall. You've got to fork out thousands of dollars to integrate new technology into the classroom. The fact that the processing power is there and that mobile devices and iPads and uh, and all those other kinds of tablets are capable of handling this tech and people are using that to their advantage, I think is going to really pay off for students in the classroom. Yeah, I agree. It will be much more accessible now and it's just running so, so smoothly. I'd I remember it started with the AR kit uh, last year that Apple announced and then AR call from Google. And we were just blown away how uh, how precise it was. It was actually like there was a thing in the room. You've maybe seen the IKEA app where you can place in furniture inside your room and you get the actual, it looks uh, correctly with the lights and the physical size is also uh, right. So it's uh, really, really impressive when, when we saw that. We were very impressed. So I, I kind of want to finish off with what your thoughts are for AR and VR in the classroom. Where do you see it going in the future? Uh, how do you think AR and VR are going to continue to get implemented into the classroom? And what are some innovations around the corner? How do you think it's going to continue to grow and um, and innovate from here? There are a lot of things happening now. The new announcements uh, that has just arrived from, from Apple and Google with all these uh, shared AI experiences. Uh, imagine a teacher who could open up, yeah, put the body inside the classroom, and you can uh, have a lesson in biology. And all the children could bring out their tablets or phones and they could see the same space as the teacher. And, um, and you could have this kind of, uh, shared, shared experience. Uh, I really think that, uh, that's a thing that will, uh, improve, uh, in the future. And there's a lot of opportunity there for some uh, really cool experiences because also in Wisepro, we also focused on the shared experiences. So it's uh, great that we're starting to see it in AR because, because what we have done for the last uh, years, it's more like a singular experience still where you can see some things, but they will not be in sync between the devices. So I'm really excited that we're starting to see that uh, happening. We're also seeing uh, the ability to recognize uh, physical objects, uh, which is also uh, very interesting. Imagine you could, you could uh, scan, scan uh, like, like a stuffed animal or something, and it will bring out a lot of information about the animal. So you can have this kind of... Uh, combination of a physical object with with some digital information and it's a bit more engaging than the than just having a marker that you can scan and then you will have some information you can also overlay information if you had the stuffed animal you could uh, overlay information perhaps and you can uh, show video so maybe have some 3d content rendered on top of uh, of the animal um, i think that's a uh, that's very exciting development there of course, we'll also see when when the glasses start to become smaller um, and maybe more more accessible, also price wise. Uh, right now, they're they're very expensive and still has a little way to go. But I think there's a lot of opportunity there. There's a new headset coming up 
coming up called Magic Leap, which, which will also, uh, which looks uh, very cool from the demos. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Of course, we're dependent on some of the big players who are really uh, doing all the hard work for us. Um, but that also means that it becomes very accessible when, when these big companies invest into, uh, to AR here in the future. It will be very interesting to see how it develops uh, from here. Definitely. And I'm excited to see how it all impacts the classroom and how it continues to empower teachers and students to take command of their education, which is very exciting. Yeah, of course. One of the things I'm also considering is uh, yeah, how to bring in uh, your own content into AR and VR, because right now it, it's a bit complicated how to, how to do it. And, and it would be interesting to see when it gets easier to actually use all of these cool technologies uh, as a teacher, when you can start to, to bring in your own and not and you're not dependent on on developers to actually code code stuff for you all the time. When can you start to to bring in your own stuff uh, more easily? And of course, that depends on uh, that we'll get some uh, good good uh, tools for uh, creating these uh, models and that sort of thing. Uh, and of course, a big library of stuff if you want to do like like the biology uh, lesson, you need some some good uh, content that you can bring in bring into the AR VR experience. So of course, uh, what we need now is to build a bigger library of uh, content that we can uh, that can just be used in schools. Exactly. But I, I think like you said, with the big players helping fund innovation in AR and VR and things continuing to get smaller, more accessible, cheaper, um, and as, as things get uh, a little easier to use on the teacher's end too, uh, I think there's an exciting future for AR and VR in the classroom, definitely. So thank you, Casper, for coming on the podcast and helping us better understand this idea of empowering teachers to take command of their education and letting students control their content and sort of all the magic that's to come with that. Yeah, you're welcome. Happy to be on the show. And thank you, everyone, for listening to today's podcast. And if you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com industries and subscribe to previous podcasts, articles, and video content from your favorite industries. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin. Till next time.